Welcome back to the seventh episode of Profits Over Profits. It's been a long hiatus for us, and a lot has happened since we last talked, I think, in, I want to say September or August, right? Yeah, I don't know. Was it before the election? That's crazy. Yeah, well, last time we talked, we were talking about Black Lives Matter protests. I think we had one about George Floyd and then one after about the protests wow. themselves. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've been doing things and so has America in general. So that's been pretty fun to watch. So like just a quick recap of what happened since then was oh, Biden basically won the election pretty strongly, leaned very heavily into the we have to defeat Trump category. And I think almost every single poll that came out showed that people were voting to get Trump out and not for Biden. I think it was like 30% of his voters were actually voting for Biden. Right. Whereas like something like closer to 67 voted just to get Trump out. So that's basically where we're at now. A lot of liberals have been touting it as a huge success because he turned several states And of course, ever since then, ever since I think November, even before November 3rd, really, but ever since November 3rd, especially Trump has been trying to get the election thrown out because he believes that mail-in ballots should be invalid. Mm -hmm. Right? That's basically up until a few days ago, it's kind of all completely fallen apart and liberals on Twitter are having a really fun time uh, making fun of Trump for... Trump losing and what's yeah trump got banned that's true so they made fun of him for that which is kind of stupid because he can't see it so very pointless but yeah it's been like kind of a circle jerk and what's been happening under the radar is that while everyone's been focusing and kind of putting up a new obstacle Biden's been like filling his cabinet. Biden's been making his moves. And at every point where leftists and progressives have tried to throw up a sign or a flag and say, hey, look what this guy's doing. Liberals have been like, hey, just wait for, you know, let him get in office. Let him get his first month in. Let him get elected. You know, stop complaining. You know, stop being. And now it's actually gone to the point now that everything's finished. It's just been like, hey, stop being such a sore loser. So what that refers to is ever since Biden has gotten elected, he's filled his cabinets with virtually the same effect as Trump. Like his administration has been filled with people that have shown no progressive inclination. And case in point, Neera Tandon, who is one of the most like prolific opponents of Bernie or anything progressive. She's now part of his administration and neither Bernie nor Warren, not even like Warren was selected to be part of it. Right. So no true progressive has made it to his shortlist, which kind of goes to show the whole like push him left that we've been saying, or that we've been hearing for months for almost a year now was completely full of it. It was the most useless rhetoric that liberals could come out with. And some examples of this, right, are he picked these, I think, what was the name of his intelligence pick? I think it was Avril Haynes. Avril Haynes. She was 
responsible for the drone strike program under Obama. And that drone strike program was essentially like the first of its kind. Under Bush, there was some development in it, but the huge expansion that Obama brought to it, that was all him, like his complete, you know, own initiative. And even in his, like his book that came out, he said like, oh, I was like basically a war criminal because I wanted to impress Republicans. Right. More or less, which was, by the way, like, I've only seen snippets of it, of people making fun of it, to be honest, you know? Or he was talking about, like, the girls in college or whatever. Yeah, and he was like, I was only a progressive to impress women, which is like, it hasn't worked yet. So once once it works, I'll write a book about it. It's kind of, like, uh, jarring to see, or not jarring, but, like, it's, it's like one of the worst times to say I told you so. It's like it feels like a really terrible time to be right, you know? Like yeah. you look at Biden and he picked like that that war criminal for his intelligence lead. You look at Janet Yellen, who is essentially in the same position as Betsy DeVos. So like Janet Yellen, she's responsible for regulating Wall Street. And she made millions giving speeches to Wall Street. Now, a lot of people think like, oh, yeah, she's, you know, got like decades of experience behind her. So she deserves to make millions. She deserves to make three and a half million dollars a year giving speeches. And it's like, do you honestly believe that Wall Street is trying to learn anything from the government? Like, do you think that they're going to like government or former government appointed officials and being like, hey, man, could you teach us about taxes? Like, what do you think that's happening? Like they're, they're, they're exclusively paying for access. They're paying for, they're paying, it's a bribe. It's, it's just a dressed up bribe. You know, they're paying her for the networking opportunity, right? Like that's what it is. Cause you pay someone three and a half million, they're going to want to make sure you keep your money so that they can get theirs. Right. So now she's responsible for regulating those people who paid her, which is, Virtually identical to the criticism that liberals had against Betsy, who is Trump's like education pick or secretary of education. And she made a lot of money off of private schools. So obviously it was very clear that she didn't have any public education interests in mind. She didn't want to develop it further. So putting her in charge of that was obviously ridiculous. And you don't see that criticism of Janet Yellen. All you're seeing is like, well, she's, you know, well, she's very experienced, you know, she deserves it. And then obviously it comes with a whole slew of accusations of like, oh, it's because she's a woman. If it was a dude, you wouldn't be saying this, which is kind of ridiculous. Cause like, like, I don't think they recognize it, but like, can you, can you really like hold up a mirror and be like, all right. So every time you criticize Sarah Palin or Betsy DeVos, then I'm going to say the same shit to you. I was going to be like, Hey man, why are you criticizing women? So it makes really no sense, right? And like, I know that you and I discussed it and we talked about, hey, like Biden is not going to be pushed to the left. He's been a centrist Republican his entire life. And we've had a lot of people say, I am i can't support this, like even the train of thought, because there's a, like, it's too much on the line, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're in a position where nothing's changed. Like you've elected biden and all you have is less racism or less explicit racism in the white house 
You know what I mean? That's what this election was about. When it could have been about literally human rights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, it, unfortunately, I think people got scared and kind of desperate. They were like, okay, we'll take Trump with a D next to his name if it means we can get rid of Trump with an R next to his name. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like just seeing how it all turned out, I think that they definitely I know there was a lot of people saying like, oh, well, I'm not going to vote for Bloomberg if he gets the nomination. I think people definitely would have voted for Bloomberg if he got the nomination. You know what I mean? I think they absolutely would have. Yeah, I don't know if he would have won, but they definitely he would have got a majority of the votes that Biden got. Yes. Yeah, I think I think he would have they would have pulled out the same lines about it's it's between like just a terrible person and a fascist. So yeah. make your pick, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of disappointing, you know, and then like even with this cabinet thing, like even going back to 2008, you recently mentioned that Citibank actually provided Obama with a list of cabinet positions. And he mimicked that almost exactly. Like his final cabinet was yeah. essentially chosen by Citigroup. Sorry, Citigroup. Yeah, they, they gave him a short list of like, I, I don't know how many people you put in the cabinet, but basically they gave him a short list of say 15 people and he was able to pick, he was allowed to pick five of those people to be on his cabinet. That's ridiculous, man. It's, yeah, like, I I find it hard to get excited about Biden, especially now that Trump is on his way out. You know, I, I guess I can see how people were excited about Trump leaving, but what is there to look forward to now? Yeah, like, I mean, you saw the celebrations when Biden got elected. I was yeah. baffled. I was baffled. You know, like, I was still, like, I was I was at most slightly relieved. You know what I mean? That Biden won. At most, you know? Yeah. I was I was relieved and extremely annoyed because I knew that what was going to happen was it was just going to be four years of people. And that started almost immediately where it was like, oh, yeah, four years of people no longer fact-checking the president's speeches, no longer caring about the policies, you know? Mm-hmm. And you'd basically have to start from scratch to get a progressive movement off the ground. Well, that's what I was scared of with Biden. Like, is everyone just going to go back to sleep again? Because that's what led to Trump in the first place, right? It's not like yeah. Trump just, like, came out of nowhere. There was years of buildup to it. So how is Biden going to be any different than the Obama years? Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of, uh, man, it's, it's frustrating, you know, to kind of see it. And then like you even see Biden, like pretty much immediately pull back from the people who even got him into office. Like you have that policy that they all kind of like pushed into our faces, which is, Hey, there's kids in cages. You know, it was like that mantra, like, Hey, there's kids in cages, man. There's concentration right. camps yeah, at the that, border. That's what people said when, whenever you questioned why would I want to vote for Biden? Because there's kids yeah. in cages. Well, you yeah, do you not care about kids in cages? You know who the first president to put kids in cages was? 
Obama. It was Obama. And then you have him pulling back on his commitment to kind of resolve it in his first 100 days in office, mm-hmm. right? He basically pulled back and said, like, yeah, we're not going to do that, actually. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's not a priority. We have a lot more to fix, right? Mm-hmm. Which, on one hand, I can see what he's trying to say with the pandemic going on and, like, America being absolutely destroyed and ravaged by it. Like, how, what is it, like a 5% infection rate, almost? COVID? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's infected about 5% of the population, I think. Potentially more, because like well, I'm talking last, symptomatic like cases that were... Is that they think 26 million Americans have been infected with it, which is about 8%. Yeah, 8% then. And that's like, obviously you're assuming here, like most of those were symptomatic mm-hmm. uh, cases. Like nobody, not, not that many people would get a test without without any symptoms. It's probably a lot higher. Exactly. But yeah, he pulled back on that. If you want to say like, hey man, there's a pandemic going on and everything, that's fine. But don't pretend that kids in cages, which by the way, they're also in a pandemic. Don't pretend that that's like some kind of like humanitarian priority for you. Right? Don't like imply that, hey, this issue is, you know, something that's, gotta be resolved it's not who we are but like no clearly it is who you are you know because like if, if you're going to put it aside to make sure that your economy gets back on track it is who you are that's who you are you know what i mean yep so that that's kind of what i guess not disappointed me but like i was hoping that at least that at the very least that would be resolved you know i don't care like i knew he wasn't going to go for medicare i knew he wasn't going to go for any kind of social service improvement, like after he tried to cut it four times. But like, yeah, but like, I I figured, come on, man, like, this is the the one thing that you kind of like guilt tripped us into voting for you for. Well, I like anyone listening to this that disagrees, all, all 10 of our listeners. (laughs) All uh, one of our 10 repeats. <laughs> what are you looking forward to the Biden presidency? Ask yourself that. If you actually had to give a statement to somebody maybe unfamiliar with the climate, you know, like what's going to change for you? When people voted for Trump, he had definitive policy plans in place. They were destructive, but they were definitive policy plans. He wanted to put tariffs on China. He wanted to build a wall. He wanted to bring manufacturing back reportedly. He had like these ideas of what he wanted to do that at the very least Americans believed he cared for them. Mm -hmm. But what does Biden want to do? Every time someone pushes him on a policy position for not being progressive enough, he says, go vote for Bernie. And anytime someone pushes him on a policy position for being too leftist, He says, no, no, that's not what the policy position is. Because I have quite a few people who are saying, oh, Biden wasn't my first choice, but, you know, he was going to be better for like X, Y, Z, and namely because, you know, Trump's going to leave, right? But like, what are you going to do now? Like, like, Trump has... Here's where I'm unclear. Like, what... Okay, so... I guess now's a good time to talk about the Capitol Hill thing. 
Yeah. So let's just put that aside for a second, though. So other than that, other than the way they sound when they're talking, what's different about the two? Like, w- what is different? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, here's the thing. Like, liberals were still like, oh, I believe, like, a lot of sane Republicans are going to come out, you know, and they're going to come against Trump, you know, as soon as the opportunity for that to happen arises. Yeah, okay. And, and yeah, so they said they're going to come. That happens. Yeah, and it's been four years, right? So it's been four years of Republicans repeatedly siding with Trump, like, unconditionally just unconditional support for whatever nonsense like racist divisive thing he says and they still believe that at some point there's some reasonable republicans there so i I don't get why you would like why would anyone want to work with them at this point exactly biden literally has the trifecta right now the senate the house and the presidency just like Obama did in 2008, 2009. So the the question is, is he actually going to do anything with it or not? Or is he going to just squander it like Obama did? And, and the thing is, like, it's like you're telling me that somebody is to your face telling you, hey, I'm considering putting the bad guys on my team, like, like, no matter what you say, I would say like 90% of Republicans are worse than 90% of Democrats, right? Like in, in as politicians, right? Because like they at least 90% of them supported Trump the entire way. I'd say 100%, but like honestly, I haven't been following like every single Republican's every move. But let's just say like 90% followed Trump every step of the way. Why on earth would you want someone who is... Even, even if they're a good person at heart, if they are willing to kind of endanger you or endanger your family or endanger your friends or endanger people of color just to get ahead, just to keep that, that voter base, why would you want to work with them? Why would you want them to be on your team? Like that you obviously aren't trustworthy as a person. Well, the, the crazy thing is, they don't even need them. They don't even need to work with them right now to get things done. They have the, exactly. the three things, basically. So yeah, they have the three arms of government. Discussion? Like, what does and, that say about Joe Biden? Exactly. Like, you, if you don't need it anymore, you don't need to work with them, right? Let's say even if he did want to. Like, one thing that I hate about, like, the entire idea of moderates or centrists or whatever is that he now has the three arms of government and we're going to hear for the next four years why it's impossible for him to get anything done even though we just saw trump unleash like massive ridiculous damage on the country for those same four years that's what it feels like that's what i pointed out like in one of our first podcasts is that it feels that every time somebody compares Democrats and Republicans, it seems like Republicans are able to do so much of their plan to execute execute on so many of their promises and essentially do whatever they want while Democrats can't, So the, you know? the thing is, 
Democrats are scared right now because they realize they can't use the Republicans as their excuse for getting nothing done anymore. So that's why they're talking about this. Oh, you know, we need to heal. We need unity. We need to work with, with Republicans instead because they don't actually want people to notice that, like, why, why isn't anything getting done still? Like, I voted for this party. They have these three parts of the government. What's going wrong here? People have been throwing around the word lately, unit party. And I think that's actually a good way to describe it. It, it, they're both the same party. The, the differences are just aesthetic. And they, they let you argue about it and kill each other so that your energy is spent on that instead of actually realizing that effectively they're the same thing. Right. And it's kind of worrying to see even the direction that progressives are going in. AOC was under fire recently because she said something that kind of appeared slightly less left-leaning than, you know, I guess what everybody expected of her. I don't exactly remember what it was. Well, there's a lot of drama right now because the squad is not forcing or not calling for a vote on Medicare for all in the House. Maybe that's what that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it. That might be it. Well, if that's what it is, all I know is that like I'm not super on Twitter. I'm not like you know terminally online as much. Not anymore. Not anymore. As of like a month ago, it's like why haven't you initiated that call yet? You know, and right now is like the time to do it. You know, especially in the wake of the Capitol Hill, where like I'm hoping at this point, like this is it. This is the last chance you have. For Republicans to, like Republican politicians specifically, to realize like, hey, this this Frankenstein's monster that we made of our voter base, like it's it's not going to work out. It's not sustainable. You know, like, can you imagine? Like they were literally willing. They were on, on path to either take hostage or murder, depending on the level of derangement any of those politicians like in Capitol Hill, right? Mm -hmm. And because they, like some of them didn't side with Trump on the election fraud accusations, they they just kind of like, they're like, nah, we don't believe you. You're part of the deep state now, even though they were like still like for the last four years, all of them were saying like, yeah, white is right. But yeah, the Capitol Hill thing was insane. I was actually so disappointed. I was like, I can't believe that the people that finally stormed Capitol Hill and tried to start a revolution, like a proper revolution, were a bunch of white people mad that Joe Biden was going to take over the presidency. Like, thank God, you know, it didn't get worse. You know, a couple of people did die, you know, which is terrible and stuff. But it was so funny that, you know, they, they broke in and then they stayed within like the rope walking line oh yeah i saw that they stayed within those like those velvet ropes yeah, like they like, were going on a tour of the place yeah. some new videos came out today and like the cops are just like they're literally in the senate chamber like that guy with like the the cow suit or whatever and like <laughs> the furry right in the middle and they're just like chatting with cops and everyone's just like casual and stuff it's Bizarre. Bro, some of them were cops. 
Some of yeah, the people who stormed it wore cops. I heard. Yep. Some of them took a private jet. Like, can you imagine having a private jet and thinking you need a revolution? Yeah, I know. I saw Like, this. if I... It was like, business owners can't pay their employees $15 minimum wage, or else they couldn't afford tactical gear in a jet to fly to DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, how in your brain is the level of privilege afforded to you to do what you just did an indication that you're oppressed. It didn't even feel like it was a revolution or a revolution attempt born of any kind of frustration. You know, no, it just it felt like, like it was. No, it wasn't brutal. like planned or coordinated at all. And they're never going to get that chance again. They'd probably feel like idiots. They are idiots. But how do you feel about all the like, Apple, Google store taking Parler off their app stores and then Amazon just like straight up taking their servers down. Did you hear about so that's, that? That's a weird, that's like a mixed bag for me, Same. right? Because on the one hand, Trump. say what? Same with Twitter banning Trump. Yeah, like here's the thing. I believe that hosting a website, that should be a public utility. Everybody should have access to it, you know, because if Amazon web services takes something down, that basically means you can't get on the internet anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, I feel like that's as close to government censorship as you're going to get. Right. And the idea is they kind of, let it go on as long as it, as it did until it became, I guess, a problem, you know? Like what happens if people are using Facebook? Like, I mean, people use the Facebook for the Egyptian revolution. They used it to kind of do the Occupy Wall Street thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like, did you then ban Facebook or do you just ban those people? This is technically a private company that is one of the only ways to communicate, you know, like at that point, it's like, oh, actually even cell phone towers. I mean, it's like, even like cell phones, they can, they can just say like, we're going to block certain words. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the reason this is a problem for me is not because I believe that what they did was correct or anything like that, but it's because I believe that it can very easily be turned around on us, right? Like it can, this is something that can, I mean, I don't think that Republicans trying to overthrow Capitol Hill is as dangerous to the establishment as like Fred Hampton was, you know what I mean? Or Fred Hampton's ideologies, mm -hmm. right? So like you tell me, like, I mean, like it, it kind of like this kind of thought process started with uh, a few years ago when that bakery said like, oh, I'm not going to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. Right. Right. Now, I don't think that that's the right thing to do. I think that's terrible. And then they argued that, oh, it's a private business that should be allowed to do what it does. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is fair because it's like a tiny bakery. If you have a yeah. virtual monopoly on, like, I don't, on I don't communication. Think... I don't think the comparison of a small, like local bakery to Twitter is a very good comparison. Exactly. 
And I think that if the government said, oh, Donald Trump shouldn't be allowed to block people because it is a way for the president to communicate with the population, then you've already made a call, right? Mm-hmm. That the government can be involved in this. Yeah. Definitely. And like the thing about the bakeries is like, yeah, I don't agree with what that bakery did, but if I was part of like a Debka group and like a, an Israeli wedding reached out to me and they were like, hey man, we want you to do a Debka at an Israeli wedding. I'd be like, no, I'm good. Cause it's cultural appropriation. I have my reasons, right? I feel like I should be allowed to say like, no, I don't want to do that. Cause you guys, you know, support apartheid or your cops or whatever. Like, here's the thing we've seen so often proponents of Palestinian rights. They just kind of get blocked off platforms. They get canceled. Like that food vendors restaurant got destroyed. She got removed off of virtually every single food delivery platform in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's canceling people. That's cancel culture. And that's disgusting. There's no way every single one of their boards and every single one of their executive groups all got together on the same day in the same hour and decided to ban her. That's something messed up. There's something wrong there. If you guys are essentially a monopoly, essentially the government, essentially in control of everything, you can't turn around and tell me that this is actually technically private. Like, no, you're our only choice, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that's why everyone's been calling for this stuff to be even, to be a public utility. It should be nationalized, you know, even like cell phone companies, like I said, like what happened? Can they block someone from communicating? Like if they don't like someone, it's like, Hey, turn off his cell phone now. And it's like, okay, then I guess he can't post on the internet. You cut off his internet. He has to like resort to snail mail. Now they're going to come down on people on the left side way harder the the food vendors lady was making fun of how people switch sides so fast when it suddenly favored them she was like some of you guys went from a cab to like submitting evidence to the fbi for those rioters you know and it's like so true and it's like you you can't yeah like and it's like i don't agree with what the rioters did but i'm not going to help the cops like they can figure it out themselves you are against censorship or like cancel culture or whatever until they deleted Trump's Twitter. Here's the thing. I, I, I know that Trump definitely incited it, you know, especially because his fan base and voter base are much more likely to interpret everything he says as like a declaration. He called for a protest. They're the ones who made it vile, right? Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, like, that's what it was. Yeah. But I think a lot of the blame lies with the Capitol Police, with the National Guard. They were, they are either totally incompetent because they royally effed it up, or, and I think this is the more likely option, there was something fishy going on. And there's a reason that there is only a few cops there. There's a reason the National Guard didn't show up until hours later. There's a reason you can see on videos, cops, you know, waving those people in and just taking selfies and stuff. So, Absolutely. Yeah, of course. There's definitely something wrong, you know. Trump. 
but I think you're right that it was completely fishy and coordinated because they didn't ban him after he made the tweet. They banned him after it got violent in Capitol Hill. So what is the difference that what happened on Capitol Hill? Yeah, exactly. So he's been doing the same thing for years. He never even got so much as a suspension. But I think they were starting to realize that this weird like Frankenstein's monster that they created was kind of turning against them, especially after Fox News dropped in ratings because Republicans were calling it part of the mainstream media. A bunch of Republicans that were not agreeing with Trump's like, you know, election scam nonsense got kind of shafted by their own voter base. So now Democrats were like, yo, like this guy's actually making people kind of crazy. And Republicans are like, okay, he's kind of useless to us now. And Fox News is like, okay, he's kind of useless to us now. That's, that's what I think happened. Like, I don't think that they were like Antifa or whatever, like those weird conspiracy theories are. But honestly, you made a great point about it was super fishy that National Guard didn't show up. And the Capitol Hill only had like a few hundred policemen, even though like when Black Lives Matter was protesting or there were Black Lives Matter protests, there were so many more cops available, right? Mm -hmm. So I completely agree. Like, I think I think it was a coordinated, like, kind of setup type situation of like, all right, Trump, you're no longer useful. Get rid of him because he's no longer serving that purpose. Right. I think to chalk it all up to Trump inciting those people is a mistake. And you're either naive or you're not being honest. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Profits Over Profits. That's Salah and Connor here. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time. See you, everyone.